Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show that focuses on people and organizations making a big difference here in North Texas. And our first guest is Miss Sarah Codano. Sarah, you're part of Teatro Dallas. Am I saying your name right? Yes, uh, yes. My name is Sara. It's um, Spanish for Sarah. And um, our, our organization is Teatro Dallas, which um, is Spanish for theater. Um, we're a theater company. Um, our productions are in English, but we do feature playwrights and stories that um, are about the Latinx community. Yes, contemporary Latino, U.S. international playwrights. You support the emerging local artists. In fact, you guys have been around since 1985. Can you tell the story about how your mom and Mr. Jeff Hurst started uh, Teatro Dallas? Definitely. Um, So um, my parents moved to Dallas in the early 80s. And um, and I moved with them. I was a teenager, so I've kind of grown up with the theater. Nice. Um, and uh, my mom was a professionally trained actress and director who went to um, one of the best uh, theater schools in Mexico City um, called Bellas Artes. And she founded um, the company with Jeff Hurst, who uh, is my dad. All right. Um, and yeah, he he um, my my folks my parents moved to Dallas um, in the '80s because actually uh, we were living in Austin, where uh, Cora, who's uh, my mother, mm-hmm. Cora was working uh, with a theater community in Austin, but my dad um, did lighting, television and film. Uh, lighting for a living. And in the 80s, you might remember, um, is when they built Las Colinas. They built right. the studios yes. Las Colinas. Yes, I'm very yeah. familiar with the studios Las Colinas. I was actually doing some work out there. Yeah. And so for state a while, of the art. In the 80s, it was state of the art. And actually, um, Texas had a booming film industry um, for a good 10 years. And, um, you know, they got competition later on from New Mexico and mm-hmm. Canada and Louisiana. But for a good run there, it was one of the, um, it was often called the Third Coast. Yes. Um, you know, it was New York, L.A. And then and Dallas had a great, um, and still does have a great television and film industry. But uh, anyways, um, my parents moved to, to Dallas um, because my dad started uh, doing, getting a lot of work here. And um, when Cora, my mom, arrived, 
Um, having been a professionally trained actress, she was looking for opportunities to be on stage. And um, frankly, in the 80s, um, there were not a lot of theater companies other than uh, Dallas Children's Theater, the mm-hmm. Dallas Theater Center, and Theater 3. And that was really about it. There were no other um, smaller mid-range companies. And um, it was also very hard for her to um, get work because there was a lot of typecasting. So right. and that's still true. But for, for you know, a Latina actress um, who had done Shakespeare and done all these, you know, really rich roles, uh, you know, she pretty much only could get roles that were very stereotypical as a maid or, you know, the girlfriend of a drug dealer, or mm-hmm. these kinds of, you know, stories that um, really did not appeal to her uh, because they obviously didn't have much range, but also they did not reflect the realities of being, you know, we Latino culture is very rich and varied, right. and they were just kind of very stereotypical. So, um, so it really, the theater was born out of necessity. She did not like those kind of narratives and decided she wanted to share with um, with audiences in Dallas, uh, you know, what her experience was and what the experience of, of a lot of Latinos is, which is, you know, just as universal as anyone else's. And um, we have a long, great history of playwrights and stories to tell. And um, so she said about um, often translating them into English, but also bringing international directors and um, theater actors mm-hmm. and all kinds of people to Dallas. So really, um, she was one of the first uh, mid-sized theater companies um, that was founded, as you said, in 1985. And um, she also started the first international theater festival in the Southwest. So we've had that theater festival running every other year. Um, it's a biennial festival, and it's been uh, over twenty been years, right? Twenty years, yeah. Yep. That is fantastic. Yeah. This is this is an amazing story, and again, I think there's so much light that needs to be shed on it because, again, the 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 Latino culture, you know, the classical contemporary work that you guys do, it wasn't being done back in the early '80s, and and all of a sudden. Your, your parents, Jeff and Cora, they brought this down here. And where was the first place they started doing it? And then tell everybody where you are now. Um, well, so uh, are notorious for being great groundbreakers in terms of uh, real estate for mm-hmm. real estate developers. You know, we're always in the uh, neighborhoods um, before they, you know, take off. Exactly. And like Bishop people. Arts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Um, so we were, my, my, uh, parents, um, had a theater right at the edge of Deep Ellum in downtown Dallas Okay. Uh, on Commerce Street. And, um, I don't know, you know, some of your listeners might know like Dallas, uh, in the eighties and even through the nineties, downtown was just very, very empty. There weren't a lot of people living downtown. Um, you know, even Deep Ellum, uh, which has had its ups and downs in the, in the late 80s, um, really was not, you know, wasn't booming the way it is now. And um, so she was really one of the first uh, performing arts places in Dallas outside of the arts district, which was also very small at that time. 
Um, and she had that theater for 10 years. Um, and then there was a fire. Uh, one, luckily no one was in it. It was, um, oh, good. uh, after a show had closed. Yeah. And so then she, you know, she never stopped producing theater. I think we had one year where we were a bit itinerant and we even did theater under a big, kind of a big top tent, um, out by White Rock Lake. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then the next year she found another space, which she had for a good, almost 19, 20 years over in the medical district, which is now the design district. Um, Look out. So, you know, that's <laughs> a step ahead. There yeah, you go. Just like you were saying. A step ahead. Yeah. So um, in the middle of all of that, they were uh, Jeff and Cora, uh, along with some other um, arts leaders here in Dallas were instrumental in um, the call for and the need for a Latino cultural center. So they were part of the initial core team that advocated. It was really um, came from the community, from the Latino community, because, you know, the population in Dallas has always been uh pretty pretty high for for the latino population yes. and obviously now we we're more than 50 percent um for the first time with the census it's been recorded but um there was no other than her theater her theater really actually functioned almost like a cultural center because other groups would come and perform there uh -huh. and um so there was really a need for that and so some visual artists some theater uh, i mean uh, some dancers and some actors and um, community leaders, they all sort of, uh, you know, really clamored for this. And the Latino Cultural Center was uh, was built. And um, it is a that, magnificent that structure. Can you talk about this? Because it's over there on Ross and it is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's on. It's actually on um, Live Oak. Yes, right? Live Oak. Uh, mm -hmm. uh huh. Live Oak, also kind of near Deep Ellum, right on the edge there exactly. by Good Latimer. That's why I was thinking and, Ross because it's like right over there. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's like, it's a it's just a few blocks over from Ross, mm -hmm. and um, it is built by it was built by a pretty well known architect. He's in Mexico, and his name is Legoreta. So it's a bright orange mm -hmm. building with a purple tower, and the uh, architecture kind of looks like a something like a modern pyramid. Or That's exactly where I was going. Tower. I was like, this is almost like <laughs> a, a pyramid from Mexico. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of inspiration um, from, you know, these kind of, I guess you could say, uh, really Mexican culture in particular, but all over Latin America, you know, we are, we love to gather and our families are mm -hmm. big and we tend to, um, in all the uh, Latin American cities, outdoor plazas and outdoor public spaces are really important because that's where we perform. That's where, you know, in the old days, people would walk around to get to know each other. Right. Um, so, you know, people would, uh, couples would meet and they'd stroll around the plaza. Sure, and, like um, a festival. Yeah, yeah. So that plaza uh, and that building are sort of um, all kind of, you know, a nod towards um, very traditional structures, but they're all, it's also a very modern building and it's really bright and really kind of captures that um, energy of, of, of our Latin cultures. And um, that is the building that we are going to be in now. We have been producing there. And um, Fantastic. I'm really proud to say that our theater company, along with Kata Mia Theater Company, 
Uh, we are now the first theaters in the United States to be resident companies. We're going to be resident companies. Oh my companies, goodness, that's fantastic! Uh, in in a in a city building. So we're still working out the details right now, but that was passed by the uh, city council. The resolution for that that was passed in 2019. That is absolutely fantastic. A Teatro Dallas is a pillar in the community. Now you've got the seasonal productions and you've got classes mm-hmm. for children and adults. And it doesn't matter what the financial needs are. I mean, in other words, if they've got some talent, if they have an interest, there's an opportunity to maybe take some classes. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to say we, we get people who take our classes not just because they want to be actors. Obviously, they some do. But we've had adults take classes because, you know, um, it gives them confidence. Um, we often get people who have limited English proficiency and our classes are bilingual. So, um, and that's true for the kids too. We have, um, you know, our classes are for everybody. So even though we are uh, presenting um, Latino culture and um, and international culture, mm-hmm. uh, we are open to everyone, and um, anyone can take it, um, take those classes, and we are very very supportive of um, uh, the kids, especially with scholarships. Um, but our adult classes too, we've had people take them because it helps them, you know, learn English. It helps them. Uh, communicate better at work and yeah. help them build confidence. And so really, you know, um, we have different types of classes and workshops. Some are just specifically for actors and some are for, you know, um, e- everyday people. And uh, we have classes for adults, kids. Um, we are going to start in the summer, our first teen uh, technical theater camp. So okay. we're going to... We're going to offer classes to teenagers to learn um, about lighting and mm-hmm. sound because, um, you know, we want people to know that actually the arts are a very viable profession. A lot of people think, oh, you know, you can't make any money as a as an actor or, uh, you know, or as an artist. And there are so many creative jobs out there where they need people who who have some creativity and some training. So that's what we're going to be doing um, in the summertime for our, for our teens. That, this is just so fantastic. Again, Teatro Dallas is more than just a theater company because you guys do so many things. And you mentioned the International Theater Festival that you do every other year. Can you talk about how that first came together and how amazing that you guys are to organize that and to do it? Because, again, it's the first of its kind in the Southwest, and I know it was a major undertaking, but it was needed. Can you talk about the growth of that? Because that's also so impressive. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, definitely. So, um, you know, a few years after Cora started uh, Tatcher Dallas and, and had done some seasonal productions, um, she also just realized from people, you know, who would come and see the shows who said, oh, I had no idea that, you know, Latino culture um, also had, like, African-American roots or, you know, black culture as part of its Mm -hmm. experience. And even such things such as very typical um, things that we think about as Mexican really have their roots in um, African, uh, Afro-Caribbean traditions. Um, So 
she set about um, trying to kind of really give people a taste of all of this. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you the truth in the 80s, you know, the, the whole decade of the 80s and 90s all over the United States, there was the beginning of a real, re- well, no, I don't want to say a renaissance, but, you know, um, it was often referred to as the culture wars because, you know, not just Latinos, but um, uh the African-American community was mm-hmm. underrepresented in right. museums and in theaters. And so in Dallas, um, for a while, actually, the Latino community and the black community uh, were, um, like in L.A., not always wouldn't see eye to eye because they were pitted against each other mm-hmm. um, for resources. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they're for vying us, for the same pieces of the pie. Yeah, exactly. And so rather than, you know, collaborating together, which you do see off and on throughout um, our civil rights history, but in the 80s, culturally, they had not collaborated. And so uh, Cora worked with, she met Vicki Meek, who ran the South Dallas Cultural Center. Mm-hmm. And Vicki is an outstanding uh, artist and supporter of the arts in Dallas and always has been. But um, she and my mom became friends, and they had um, very similar experiences because Vicky came from uh, Philly, uh, from Philadelphia, and she also had run into similar situations where there just weren't a lot of opportunities for black artists. Mm-hmm. And so Cora and Vicky um, decided to, you know, create. I don't think they set out to do an international festival, but. They brought some international artists, and then it was kind of born out of that. So they they brought artists from Brazil, um, and then Cora kept bringing artists um, so that people would really understand how vanguard and modern and international uh, Latino art really were. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, most people just know of the folk traditions, such as that ballet folklorico or, you know, some of the dances and things like that. But um, I really had no idea of all the kinds of things that were happening, you know, in South America and Central America and um, and just that rich tradition of, uh, for example, our connections to the Middle East. You know, um, Latino culture has a lot of roots in the Middle East. Really? And, um yeah, yeah. So, you know, you hear people's last names. A lot of last names are, are really, um, you know, come from the Arabic part of um, of the culture that was in Spain. And then that was brought over. Oh, yeah, that's true. The Americans. When you think mm-hmm. about world history, you're right. Yeah, there's a lot of people yeah. from the Middle East uh, went over to Spain. And then Spain, of course, sent uh, the ships over to uh, North America and South America. Yeah, and then and then also even after that, like um, during the twenties when the uh, the Ottoman, the Turkish Empire fell apart. Oh yeah, apart, that's right. A lot of people migrated to to Mexico in the twenties because um, Mexico had gone through a revolution and was uh, you know just coming out of that, and um, the the government. Uh, was set up in the 20s, and it was this sort of push to modernize the country. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a lot of people came in the 20s um, to Mexico because there were opportunities to work um, it, as engineers, for example, on the railroads. And 
So, so uh, there's a Middle Eastern culture that people didn't know about in Central and Mex- Central America, Mexico. See, I could talk to you yeah. all day. I love history, and I love <laughs> hearing different nuggets of hidden history that people don't think about. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you know, everyone knows Salma Hayek, but Salma Hayek Hayek is a is a Lebanese last name, and there's a huge Lebanese community in Mexico City. Look at um, And they have um, influenced everything. You know, even when you go to the taquerias, there are uh, a kind of tacos called tacos al pastor, which are on mm-hmm. the spit that turn around. Right. You know, sometimes they stick a pineapple on top. Yeah. Well, those, those tacos were invented in part as a hybrid that came from shawarma, that, um, you know, style of cooking meat in the Middle East. Look out. And so... Mexicans are great cooks, and they invent all kinds of things. You know, once they come across a good idea, they adapt it and make it their own. And oh, so, yeah. you know, these are kind of things that we really wanted to share uh, through the International Festival was really bringing these ties that we have to Africa, to the Middle East, uh, even as far as, you know, China and mm-hmm. Asia and um, that have all made their way into uh, the Latino experience. And um, so that's that's where the festival, you know, really came out of um, a desire to share culture, but also to create bridges with the black community here in Dallas. Mm -hmm. I love what you guys are doing. Teatro is is employing the power of theater, celebrating the diverse traditions, strengthening the community is all together. Listen, Sarah, you're just absolutely impressive to talk to because I love the way you're talking about all this inclusive inclusivity and diversity. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, that's something we're really proud of from the very beginning. Uh, Cora just worked with all kinds of actors, and so it wasn't just Latino actors who got some of their first starts, uh, you know, start on the on our stages, but but also many many other actors um, who came from the African-American community mm-hmm. here, um, who just really, you know, were very grateful to uh, be able to have interesting characters and stories. And um, she's always collaborated with people and was really open to um, also supporting writers. So we've had, you know, writers right. uh, that we've commissioned to tell stories about Dallas that people didn't even know about. Um, so some of the plays, for example, that we've done, uh, our theater was really uh, important um, because we were the first to really reveal the story of Santos Rodriguez, who uh, was a young boy who was murdered by a police officer and um, in Dallas and uh, was the source of one of the few kind of, um, I guess, civil rights you know, uprising mm-hmm. in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And that story hadn't really been told, uh, even though everyone knew about it in the right, Mexican just, community. Just word of mouth, yeah. Yes, yes. And no one had done the research. And so Cora and Jeff uh, spent hours interviewing the Rodriguez family, um, going through uh, the, you know, uh, court proceedings. And then they hired a playwright who actually was also a lawyer, to write the story, and it it was a very very well written play um, because all the court 
languages in there, but also then the human drama. And then the story that really still resonates because we're still dealing with, you know, obviously issues of of violence and, and you know, mm-hmm. conflict between uh, our communities and and policing and all those things. And so one thing that I feel really good about is when we tell these stories, um, they are not preachy. We don't tell the audience what to think or how to feel. Um, we are not uh, really interested in, you know, propaganda. We're interested in the power, as you said, the power of art. Yes. To move people to think about things and to really, you know, um, trigger their imagination rather than tell them what to think. Because I don't think that that's very powerful. I think it's much more powerful for people to experience something um, that gets them thinking for themselves. Yes, and arts are supposed to be like that. They make you think. That's mm-hmm. why it's transcended all these years and centuries throughout. You know, like I said, mention history. I mean, I, we can go to the to the Greeks, the, the Romans, the Middle East, you know, the African empires, the Mexican empires, the uh, the the Chinese empires. Everybody has a connection with art, and sometimes art lasts longer than just books. So I like what you're doing again. Uh, Tetra Dallas supporting emerging local artists, producing works from a variety of genres, expanding the definition of theater to include visual, musical, spoken word, performance art, and so much more. Now, we're, we're getting close to the holidays here. So, Sarah, what are some of the things you want to make sure people know that you guys have going on over the next few months or so that we, we need to know about? Great. Yeah, we just we just finished a show. Um, so our next um, event will take place in February. And okay. we're bringing, actually we're bringing a really important um, director from uh, Bahia, Brazil, who is uh, spent a lifetime really thinking about Shakespeare from the context of being in the Americas. And so he's going to come and do a workshop with some artists here, and then they're going to present um, a very, very different perspective of Shakespeare. And what I'd like to say to people is, there's not a lot of people. There are a lot of people who feel maybe intimidated about theater, or they feel like, oh, that's you know, Shakespeare is so long ago, or I'm not really interested. And I think that they would be surprised because. Um, the, the great thing about theater is its live quality. Right. And the audience actually really participates when, when they come and they see, you know, things happening physically on stage and uh, so different from going to a movie. And, you know, we all laugh at movies and, you know, um, and I think, uh, or cry, you know, that same emotive quality is there. But the interesting thing is that the actor responds to it. Whereas, you know, in a film, that actor can't know whether you're laughing or yeah. crying or yeah. whatever. You know, that human connection is real important, and um, especially now coming out of COVID. So I I would love, you know, for people who have never been to the theater to come check us out because our shows are um, they're a lot of fun. They're very accessible. So we, we're bringing this. Brazilian artist because he's going to make Shakespeare very accessible. He um, is going to be working with our actors in Afro-Brazilian techniques Mm -hmm. that include caipueta and movement and samba. So if you can imagine Shakespeare with samba and, and, you know, that kind of 
uh, level of energy should be a lot of fun. And that's what we're after is really, um, you know, seeing things from a different perspective, different lens. Um, we have a spring break camp for kids at the Latino Cultural Center. Um, the ages uh, are from 7 to 13, and then we will have um, a teen, uh, teen camp. Um, so all of this is on our website, and people can come check it out, and we're always adding community events. And um, we also do a lot of things out in the community, not just at the Latino Cultural Center. So we go out to all kinds of neighborhoods. We have performed in parks. We have performed in, uh, you know, um, uh, parking lots. I mean, we, we yeah, really you're accessible. You're accessible. It's it's almost like Uber Eats. You know, you're there. You can you can come to them. <laughs> yeah. You can come to the yeah. people. I love that because yeah. it's not like just yeah. one location. And again, all the information is on the website, right? And where is the website? The website is just teatrodallas.org. So it's spelled T E A T R O Dallas dot org. And um, and there's a little bar at the top that shows community, um, productions, education. So that's, you know, depending on what you're looking for, you can just click on one of those and see what we've got going on. That sounds so fantastic. You know, I would be doing a disservice if I didn't ask you to say in Spanish just a little bit about the Brazilian thing that's coming in February and the, the workshops that are coming right after that and about the website. Just Influence Spanish for everybody who knows Spanish. Okay, great. Bueno, vamos a tener una obra eh, de un director brasileño de Bahía, Brasil, en febrero. Vamos a presentar a uh, Shakespeare uh, con un contexto eh, de sudamericano de Brasil. Uh, va a ser muy divertido. Uh, es para todos y este también vamos a tener clases para niños durante el, um, la semana de vacaciones de, de, de primavera y esos son para niños de edad de 7 a 13 en el Centro Cultural Latino. Entonces invito a todos uh, para investigar y conocer un poco lo que estamos haciendo. Uh, tenemos clases educativas, tenemos obras de teatro y um, otros eventos que hacemos en la comunidad, todo eso se puede encontrar en nuestra página de web, que es teatrodalas.org. Gracias. That is fantastic. Saura Cordona, <laughs> you, are a, you are a treasure. Thank you so much for joining us, and we've got to have you on again real soon. Can we have you on next spring? Sure. I'd be happy to. I, 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 I love talking to you. This has been a lot of fun. And joining me right now in studio, my buddy, Corey Majors from the KNC Masterpiece. How you doing, buddy? Welcome, Chris. I mean, oh, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, I've got to have you on Better Living because Better Living is all about people or organizations doing great things here in North Texas and primary with a lot of nonprofits. You guys have been doing a radio telethon, a, a, a radio uh, raise money, raise awareness thon called peace thon for years. First of all, explain what Peace-A-Thon is. Okay, Peace-A-Thon. And it's coming up this Wednesday. Yeah, it'll be this Wednesday from 5.30 in the morning until 7 p.m. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, we've been fortunate enough that uh, Gavin Spittle said, you guys take the whole day. And all of the hosts at the station are welcome to come in throughout the day. And this is on 105.3 The Fan. Yep, at 105.3 The Fan, all the hosts from The Fan are able to come in, uh, take part in what we're doing. And then we, you know, get some guests together. But the big deal is we auction off items uh, mm-hmm. throughout the day and we take donations. We would all do it with their the, the cooperation of my possibilities and their website. And last year, I think we were just shy of $50,000. We were almost there. Uh, but the 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 great thing about them, and Chris, you got the pleasure of seeing this this year as you hosted yes. their gala, you emceed there. Uh, my possibilities is the first full day, full year, continuing education and job placement program in North Texas aimed at giving adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities, that's IDD, the chance at a higher education, opportunities for work placement and stuff like that. And it's interesting how we got involved. Right, because I was going to ask you that next. How did you get involved with my possibilities? The when This is a very long time ago. Okay. We had a midday show that was looking for another host. And all the hosts at the station were kind of required to do their one day. And I was at Duke's doing my day. And my friend Michael, who I've known, and the, the crazy thing about him is his grandfather convinced my grandfather to move to Dallas from New Mexico. You're kidding. Yeah. So oh, I'm, y'all damn near fr- relatives. Yeah. Family. Our family, his cousins lived down the street from me. I used to play with them all the time to the point where they probably got annoyed that I was coming over. Um, but that, like, I've known the family for a long time. So he showed up and said, hey, I'm running this, uh, this program. It's got about 10 students right now. And I uh, just wanted to come by and see it if you ever get a chance. And I was like, all right, I will. And then I think just a few months later, we were, it was Thanksgiving time, and Kevin and I were supposed to fill in for the night show, mm-hmm. or we were doing our night show, but we were also supposed to fill in for the morning. And Broadus comes in, because Broadus would come in uh, for his, uh, his 9 o'clock spot, and he, Brian Broadus, he, he comes in, he's like, why don't you idiots just work all night? And we were like, are you saying this came out of Broadus's brain? Yes. And, and we, we spent the break like going, no, well, let's ask our listeners. Mm-hmm. So we asked our listeners, should we do this thing? Should we work all night? And In other words, like, instead of the national programming, yep. you just carry the KNC Masterpiece 
all night long. All night. Into, all night. Yeah. All night. All night. All night. Into Thanksgiving uh, and setting up for the Thanksgiving Day game. You With know? The Cowboys, yeah. And so we, uh, you know, we were like, yeah. Uh, our listeners were like, let's do it. And we were like, okay. Then I thought, well, if we're going to do it, well, let's do it with a purpose and let's raise some money. And I, I remember saying, I think Derek Holland might donate us an autographed baseball. I'll mm-hmm. just check with him. And so we started with one baseball. Mm-hmm. He gave us a jersey from the playoffs, from the ALCS, from that, from when they went to the World Series. Rangers, go Rangers. Yeah. And, and so we were like, wow, this is, this is crazy. And we got a couple of things. Broadus was able to collect like a, a Des Bryant autographed helmet. And we were like, wow, this is really cool. And then we auctioned it off. We got done. Made about $5,000 that we could donate to this, this charity. And we were really excited. And then I, when I took the products or the money and everything up there, I, I saw what Michael was talking about. The and work that was being done. Yeah. And so it was, it was awesome to see all these students. They're called hipsters. Hugely yes. important people uh, who are getting opportunities to go do things, learn things that they don't get after high school because through the public school system you get a lot of mm-hmm. uh hand-holding uh, oh, yeah. and my, my daughter's involved i'll tell that story mm-hmm. shortly too but you get a lot of hand-holding and, and and accessibility but then afterwards college you got to go figure that out right and so my possibilities becomes that opportunity to learn skills that can get them into the workplace and what, one of the other things i love is uh, soap hope is one of the the features they have there and they that is they they sell soaps all the money goes mm-hmm. to to my possibilities but students hipsters from MP work there they they sort they stock they ship they work they have skills and they work on the skills at my possibility to have those jobs and then they're also building some leasing areas that if a company comes in and leases the space for their retail you hire from my possibility so they're not only just saying hey we're going to send you out in the world we're going to actually create jobs around here for you to learn from mm-hmm. and it's a very strong community of students a very strong community of staff that's uh that's very involved and loves what they're doing there my wife many years after uh we started because this is our ninth annual peaceathon my wife uh started working there and it was one of those things where she worked for roger Staubach's commercial real estate company for years and made a killing right and she said i need i guess i need to go fulfill What's in my heart? Exactly. Sometimes, you know, uh, uh, there's a difference between a job and a career. Mm-hmm. And there's also a difference between working and doing something that, that you really love to do. That's why I say educators are like first responders. They love what they do. It's not about the money. Yep. And so here, your wife found something that fulfilled her. Yeah. And, the you know, the our daughter was born with uh, with a, a brain injury. Mm-hmm. And she'd, she has epilepsy. Little Lucy. Uh, we, uh, Lucy's an amazing little girl. And we're very lucky, very fortunate that we found Cleveland Clinic. And that the, the, the clinical trial she's been doing has set her up. Chris, I'm looking at a different little girl. It's wow. an amazing story. But that obviously was where it hit home for Adrian. And I've always said this. I don't know if Lucy will ever need to go to my possibilities. Mm-hmm. She may she may end up everything works out and she can go to college at UT or OU, mm-hmm. hopefully OU, uh, just like her mom. But the, uh, the the fact that MP's there, the fact that my possibility exists and they, they work as hard as they do, but makes me feel very good. And so every year... That's like a safety net, a yeah. subliminal safety net. Yeah, so every year Kevin and I... Uh, we we started it. Colby was involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, Broadus has always made his venture. You've always been been available sure. for us as well. Uh, this year, I do know Micah Parsons is going to be on the show. 
Great. We're auctioning off a matte black Micah Parsons helmet, autographed helmet. We have so many more auction items, and we'll have the website up at My Possibilities and 1053thefan.com. We'll have them all available so that people can go see what's available and then bid on those items. So tell me how the response has been through the from the listeners and the Tolos. Uh, turn it on, leave it on, listeners from 105.3 The Fan. How has the response been over all these years? Has it grown? Were there some ups and downs, some lows? I want to hear about this because, like I said, you guys have made a mark in the community. It, it started out as, what is pizza thong? You know, that was the, <laughs> that was the first thing that right. happened. Like, what pizza does this mean? Thong. And then we kind of were like, well, masterpiece, the KNC masterpiece. So maybe, and so it grew. Peace. Um, yeah, it is. And, and it has grown. Peace a thong 22 is this year's version. Uh, and, you know, what's great about it is we've done it in the studio every year, except for the one year where we all did it at home. Um, People come up and bring food. It becomes a potluck for like Tolos can come up and hang out. Was this always throughout the uh, day uh, Thanksgiving, right? Because it started day, with Broadus's idea. Yeah. It, it, Did you ever it, try it outside of Thanksgiving? Initially, we were at nights, right? And so we would go from like seven until the next morning, and now we've taken over the morning until that evening as okay. our as our event. That's the only difference. Yeah, and we're trying to take it on the road. That is the plan. We would love ah, to take it to the to a community, right. find a restaurant. Yeah, and go just hang out all day, and yeah. just everybody come have a good time. Uh, but yeah, man, it's, it's, you know, we have raised more money every year. So that's been something that's been positive. We've been able to get some really cool items every year and, you know, more and more people, it connects with them where Mm -hmm. they're like, I never knew about my possibilities before, or I didn't know what you guys were doing or they're new listeners to the station. And they're like, Oh my gosh, this connects with me in such a big way. My brother has autism or Mm -hmm. my sister suffers from epilepsy. And so it really does connect with new audience all the time. And there are people that have been with us since the first one. And w- one of my favorite bits that we do is we will start at 530 in the morning and we will say, check in now. Go ahead and send your check in. Send us your name. This is this is hour number one. And then throughout the day, you'll see people that are like, I'm on hour number seven. I'm on hour <laughs> number eight. I'm on hour number 13. And it's really awesome to see that people are with us all day long they're listening, they're taking part, and we do some crazy stuff. There might be some wheel of misfortune action going sure. too. Uh, but it's, it's wildly entertaining, but you're also doing it for a cause. Yep. And my possibility is unbelievable. Michael is absolutely amazing. And by He'll the way, be on with us too. At that event, their big gala that uh, you guys asked me to host, and it was absolutely phenomenal because they do love to dance. Yes, they do. The oh, hipsters my, those love hipsters, dancing. The hipsters love to dance. <laughs> I can't even tell you how many different people were tolos or coming up to me saying, you know, about the pizza thon. So, it's it's a home run. It's a hit. It's such a win 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 for everybody. I, I have to say this again. It's happening this Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Do you prepare for it like getting extra sleep, or do you just kind of drink coffee through the whole thing? I want to know how you prepare for such a long day because radio it's almost like being on parade. I tell people this all the time. You have to have a lot of energy because when you leave a radio show, even if it's a regular day. You're basically wiped out, and you're talking about doing an extended version. Yeah, and when we did it overnight, like it was even tougher because I would wake up in the morning to take my kids to school. Oh my goodness, I forgot. Not nap all day. You know, I didn't get a chance to nap, and then I'd be up all night. Uh, but I think I always looked forward to the final segment 
I was going to put a turkey on my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would have to go. I think I got sick from it one year, but I would ha- go have to rinse off in the shower. Yeah, salmonella, here. you don't need that. <laughs> but but no, I, uh, I I think, you know, Kevin Kevin will probably, he, he will never take a, sh- a break off. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will, I, I won't ever take a break off. Mike was with us. Uh, this is, this will be his second year now, third year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then D- Derek Holland. He told me last night that joining he was going to be there. Yeah. yeah, he's joined us for the entire time this year. And Mike was like, man, that was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Kevin and I have been able to, to go back and forth with, you know, keeping it going throughout the show, keeping the energy high. I just go into it and say, I'll sleep, to, I'll sleep when I'm done tonight. You know, I when you. I get done, I'll go, I'll go take a rest. Uh, and, then, uh, and then we'll let Thanksgiving take over after that. And finally, before we get you out of here, is there anything people need to know special going into on Wednesday as they turn it on and leave it on? Have the checkbook ready. Get re- you know if you need a credit card, go ahead and yeah, get that. Yeah, nowadays the credit card swipe. Yeah, yeah. Just make sure you got your numbers input and keep on the website. We'll have the BidPal website up, and it's going to be on 105throughthefan.com. It'll be on mypossibilities.org, and you'll be able to go see where you can bid. Get ready to go to the website, watch the auctions, see how much we can help out others, and send the send the link to your friends. You know, let them know this is some really cool stuff. So be ready for it. I'm ready and I'll see you on Wednesday for sure. Absolutely, man. And joining us right now is a real mover and shaker in North Texas, Miss Vandella <laughs> Menifee. How you doing, Vandella? I am absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Well, I say a mover and shaker. It's just not me saying this. And I run into you at so many different events and you you got your fingerprints on so many different and wonderful things that you've been helping out in the communities. Well, congratulations. You were Thank honored you at a fantastic much. gala over the weekend. The Extraordinary is Gala, and you are the 2022 Person of the Year. Congratulations, Vandela. Thank you very much. It is truly an honor. Okay, so first of all, tell everyone what the Extraordinary is Gala is all about and how they chose you to be the the person of the year, because I think that's that's fantastic. (laughs) I really think that you nominated me, but I'm not going to tell anybody. I don't know how I actually was nominated, uh, the the nomination process, but I did receive a call from uh, Shannon Flowers, who's the executive director, telling me that, congratulations, you're the extraordinary 2022 person of the year for your impact in the community. And I screamed so loud, I promise you, my esophagus is still sore. Well, it's so worthy. I know you don't like to talk about your accomplishments, but there were certain things that they said, she's just been doing too many things. Can you kind of mention a few of them? I know it's hard to talk about yourself, but you... You're just a mover and shaker, and like I said, you hit the r- ground running when you and your husband first moved to Dallas-Fort Worth back in the day, and it was all about prison reform, and you were actually a, a, a warden, weren't you? No, no, no. I was actually, uh, God bless the wardens who serve in the institutions in that capacity. I was actually a regional administrator over the entry. And, yes, and so in the federal prison system, um, we have our grade start from GS6, I mean, GS1 to GS15. And so the wardens are GS15s unless they are actually at a uh, selective executive service level. And I retired as a regional administrator as a GS14 overread entry in 2012. So it's been 10 years since I've been retired. It's, I can't believe it. And in your spare time, 
See, some people, when they retire, they don't do anything but uh, maybe garden or they go bowling or whatever. You retired at a young age, but you are very, very busy, especially in the Dallas-Fort Worth community. So let's just mention a couple of things that, you know, they celebrated you over. You got your flowers on Friday. Yes, sir. Uh, Some of the things, when people think about a professional volunteer, you know, there are professionals in everything. And with me, it's not a physical labor as far as my volunteerism is is concerned. It's that I have the ability to connect people with people who are changing other people's lives. Mm -hmm. So people call me, and that's how I get my volunteer opportunities. People will call me and ask me, do I know this person that have these kind of services that they're looking for that they would like to? donate to and last year i believe i had one person to donate almost 16 actually it was more than sixteen thousand dollars to different uh nonprofit organizations that he asked me to just give him recommendations and he wanted to remain anonymous but he didn't want to have to try and go out and vet different nonprofit organizations Mm so i just emailed him 10 names and he selected from those names and they received checks and he wanted to remain anonymous so that's how I get my opportunities. People contact me and ask me to connect them with different people, different organizations. Sometimes I receive a phone call about someone needing volunteers, and then I'll send them people who they can ask to volunteer. I don't get in the middle of it. I try to remove myself. Once I make the connection, I'm done with the situation. You know what's amazing? There are so many people that give back in so many different ways, and you have found your you. You have found your 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 way to feel fulfill yourself and feel fulfilled and it helps so many people on so many levels. Um the Otis and Rosie Brown Foundation. Let's talk yes, about sir. them and uh the Sundra Brown Ducket because that's another connection that you made that has been very rewarding. Yes, sir. At, uh the Sundra Brown Ducket is was born in in New York, and she was raised in Arlington, Texas, right here in our own community. And I went to Baylor, she, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I believe she graduated from Sam Houston High School. Mm-hmm. So she has ties right here in the community. Her, fa- her parents are retired, and she started a foundation in their honor, and it's called the Otis and Rosie Brown Foundation, and they are changing lives of extraordinary people in our community, they uh, award scholarships over $40,000 to students. Wow. Yes. And I believe, I forgot to tell you about the, they gave out grants to um, two uh, organizations. It's called the Black Heart Association, and they also gave a grant, a community grant to the to Legato Services. And the other two people that received impact awards is I Got Hit, <laughs> David Gotsey, yes. Martin PC. That's yes. my frat Kevin brother. Kevin Frazier from Entertainment Tonight. Yes, Kevin Frazier, Entertainment Tonight. He's also a, a longtime friend and the MC for the wow. event. Wow. Oh, yeah. That, that, Small it's, world, isn't it? <laughs> yes, but for those who don't know the, the background of Tessunda Brown, uh, Duckett, she is so impressive. First of all, she's the yes, CEO she of TIAA. She's the former CEO of Chase Consumer Banking, a division of J.P. Morgan, and she's on the board of directors of Nike. Yes, she is, and such a humble person. She really, she really has a heart of changing lives, and I mean, she is actually an extraordinary person. So it's so appropriate for them to have 
an organization, this gala extraordinary is because she is an extraordinary person herself and she gives so much back to the community, changing so many lives. She, it's just incredible. And I am so humbled to have my name on one of her as a recipient of her award. It, I, I, I still am in shock. I am. We're talking with Vandella Menifee, and as I mentioned before, she is a volunteer extraordinaire, but more importantly, she impacts lives all over North Texas. And because, like I said, I'm always at these different, different events, and I'm always running into you. You're just the wealth of information. We're approaching the holidays. Thanksgiving is coming up on Thursday. What has been going on recently? And tell people what they can look forward to, because it's the giving time of the year. It's the giving time of the year. Actually, um, I also attended. Let me tell you about my weekend. Okay. When, when I tell you that I have been truly blessed and enriched by so many people from so many different organizations, the the extraordinary is Gail had over five hundred people to attend. They actually sold out three times, mm. and. <laughs> After that, Saturday, I attended a, uh, a, a gala. It wasn't a gala. It was actually an all-day conference. It was Leading by Love. It's a boutique. It was a boutique conference mm-hmm. with Lakendra Smalley. And that conference was so impactful because it, it touched on a lot of mental health issues. And it was very well attended. And then on Sunday, I know I'm, I, I was so exhausted. I was like, I cannot attend another thing. And then I was like, okay, I promised my friend. Monica Saldivar, you better be there today. Like, you got things to do. You you promised now. You got to be there. I know. I promised her. I, I'm going to go out there. I am. Monica Saldivar is a Grand Prairie resident who is like the queen of Tejano right now. She's actually up for um, four, five awards um, with the Tejano Awards that's coming up. I think in I can't I can't remember exactly the date, but it's going to be in Las Vegas. And she is a Grand Prairie resident. If you don't know, if you don't know her, look up Monica Saldivar. She had a mention recently in a Rolling Stone magazine. Okay. So I am going out there to support the Tejano Music Festival. Nice. And go out there and to some support Monica Saldivar. So and and I learned how to do the dance. So <laughs> I you gotta to represent. Record you gotta it. represent. Very nice. Yes, when do you sir. sleep? Yes, sir. When do you sleep? Uh, you know, that that's actually a medical problem for me. A lot of people don't know that I suffer from post-concussion syndrome. Oh, my. I have chronic migraines, chronic neck, back, and, and I, I had two serious accidents within three years of each other. My first accident occurred in 2017, and I was T-boned. And the, the officer on duty said, had I had gas, it would have exploded. Oh, my goodness. Fast forward three years after Your that. Your car would have exploded. It would have exploded. But God knew that it was not my time. He's, he spared my life. Again, 2020, 20, the day after my uh, 56th birthday, I'll be 58, December 29th. And uh, we, my husband was taking me to my neurology appointment at UT Southwestern because I'm on a study there. And we were rear-ended by an 18-wheeler. Both accidents occurred in the lane, so I, I suffer from anxiety. I don't leave my house on rainy days I, oh I, because both of my accidents occurred on rainy days. And the, we were rear-ended by an 18-wheeler. I lost consciousness, and my husband said, we were hit into the middle of the street, and all the cars went around us. You know, our cars 
just coasted into a, a parking lot. Oh my goodness, that is whew. again. Yes. God has and a plan because you're still here. Yeah. Yes, sir. Because I'm still here, and next thing I knew, I was in the back of an ambulance. Wow. And and you've been able to, to survive all those things, but you just don't sleep very well. Yeah, I know, sir. I don't sleep, and I suffer from chronic migraines. So there are days I'm literally on my back in bed noise sensitivity, light sensitivity, and I'm not doing anything, but because I am, it's not committed work, Mm -hmm. I'm still able to be a true servant. And that's what I enjoy doing. You know what? You've got a purpose driven life and that was a book, I do, but it's a fact (laughs) and that's exactly, you're impacting so many lives. So we we mentioned this, this, this weekend and what you have going on. There are things coming up, as I mentioned about the holidays. Can you yes, let sir. people yes, know sir. some of the things? Because, again, one of your purposes is to inform and educate. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, uh, let me see. Thanksgiving, we always find a nonprofit organization, normally in Grand Prairie, um, to go and volunteer and help, you know, serve in a closet or in a kitchen, depending on, you know, there's three organizations um, that we received emails from already, so we're going to respond to one of them. One of them is, is at the Methodist Church, mm-hmm. and we're going to go and serve. We go and serve as a family, then we go home and have dinner because our kids, they work, um, they start working the holiday season on Thanksgiving night. So we'll be engaged in that. We've been doing that actually since we moved here in Grand Prairie 18 years ago. So when my kids were two and three years old, we had them out there serving. So they truly have servants' hearts. And that both my kids received presidential volunteer service awards. Fantastic. <laughs> but they volunteer in their own right. So Wait a minute. Um, I so just thought of something, Vandell. I have to interrupt you. I just thought of something. You put the V in volunteer. <laughs> Vandella. <laughs> it's meant to be. Your parents it's, named you it's, with it's a V because be. they knew you were going to grow up to be a volunteer. I'm just saying this because I'm so, you are just so a regular person, but you do so many extraordinary things. You are so approachable. You're, you're just like one of the regular people. No one would know that you're Oprah. <laughs> and you get it again. You get it. You. I'm, Vandella, I'm, I'm just saying this because you are such a wonderful person. You're one of the nicest Thank people I've so ever much, met in my sir. life. That, that is truly an honor coming from you, especially you are so well known yourself because of all the great things that you do in the community. And for to receive a compliment from you is, is such an, a high honor. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. Now, I interrupted you. You were talking about some of the other things coming up that people oh, yes, know yes, about. Yes. Okay, so on Saturday, December 4th, my family, we believe in keeping Texas clean and keeping Grand Prairie beautiful. We have adopted a street in Grand Prairie off of Jefferson Boulevard, mm-hmm. and it actually starts in Grand Prairie, and it it goes all the way up. to Dallas, doesn't it? No, our our side goes into Arlington. The oh, next light is Arlington. okay, got it. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Yes, so I, I'm honored to, to, to have that stretch of a mile because, you know, I, I'm tied into Grand Prairie Mansfield, Arlington. I serve on Mayor Ross's Black Advisory Council, mm-hmm. and I'm very involved in Grand Prairie so and, and Mansfield as well. And I do a lot of stuff with the Dallas Black Chamber as well. Okay. It depends on who contacts me. So, By the um, way, I got to say this. When, I was, when you were saying Jefferson Street and Grand Prairie, I was thinking about division because division, Main Street and Grand Prairie goes all the way into Dallas. 
It does. Yes, it does. That's what I was thinking. Yes, okay. it does. Okay, go yeah, ahead. We're, I was we're, interrupting. We're on the end where it goes into Arlington. Got it. Got it. So we are, we get, um, students have already started contacting me. You know, it's the end of the year of the semester. They need volunteer hours. So I try and do my volunteer opportunity to provide them an opportunity to get their hours in before the semester end because we don't want them getting bad grades because they didn't get enough volunteer service hours. Mm-hmm. And we are partnering, our partner uh, business this time is um, on-time home health, and it's a home health services pre- uh, predominantly servicing veterans in okay. their homes with home health. So their office staff are coming out to help us clean up. So we try and partner uh, with different uh, businesses or organizations so that they can get an opportunity to network and bring awareness of their business or their organization. So that's December 4th. And then uh, I have got to tell you about this. Oh, my God. I am going to Africa. Uh, no, really? That's, in, that's so incredible. Yes. Yes, Princess Karen Chapman is um, the granddaughter of Prince Sori. Prince Sori was a princess, I mean a prince, and he was, I guess, kidnapped because he was taken into slavery for 40 years. And this is a true story. You have to look this story up. And so he was enslaved for 40 years, and a white guy recognized him and said, you're the kid, you're the princess, you're the king's prince. And so the story is that, you know, he recognized him, got him out of slavery. He was trying to take his family back to Morocco, and he ended up dying before he actually came back because he was trying to get his family back to Morocco so that they could be freed. Mm-hmm. So Princess Karen invited me to go to Africa. We're going to go to the university in Conakry. And she and her cousin, um, Dr. Artemis, are speaking on a panel to talk about um, the, their legacy uh, to Prince Sori. So she invited me to go. I mean, what you do is so profound and so important. That's why we have you on. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Oh, let me mention about one more thing. I'm actually doing a fundraiser on my birthday. Okay. It's going to be at Age of Times Square. It's called a Tea Party with a Purpose. So men have to wear fedoras, uh, women have to wear hats, dressed and pressed. From 6 until 8, we're having our tea party. The tickets are $50. And then from 8.30 until 11, we're having our after-party tea party. So the dance begins. So I am, uh, for the past five years, I've donated my, um, my raised money for my birthday and donated it to Play Grand Adventure. So but because this is my fifth year, I'm going to select a organization and not really identify one in advance. So uh, I'm having people to nominate organizations, and then I'm going to have a little committee get together and determine who the funds are going to go to, and the proceeds are going to go to that nonprofit organization. That is fantastic. What's the date again? Uh, December 29th. That's on a Thursday. That's my actual birthday. I'll be celebrating my 58th birthday with all of these people that attend. So hopefully people will go go out and purchase the tickets. The, the ticket link will actually um, go active on December 1st. That is fantastic. She's Vandela Menifee. I'm Chris Arnold of 105 Through the Fan. And we want to thank you all for joining us. Tune in next week as we focus on other organizations and people doing great things in our community right here on Better Living. So long, everybody.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.